You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Track of the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's my buddy, Matt. We just wrapped up a pretty fun road trip for the Carolina Hurricanes. This team is starting to put it together, folks. It went 5-0-1 on a pretty tough Western Conference road trip. Uh, and they finally are about to head back home for today, by the time you guys are hearing this. So we figured we would do something a little bit different. The Carolina Hurricanes are about to take on the Seattle Kraken tomorrow night. And as you guys probably have heard, I've said it a couple of times on this podcast, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm actually producing a podcast for the Seattle Kraken. Um, so what we thought we would do, something a little different this week, we have brought on my buddy Joey Cirillo from the Kraken Pod. Those guys are awesome. You really need to check them out. Joey, thank you so much for taking the time and coming to hang out with us tonight a little bit. Not a problem, man. What's going on? Not shit, man. I am uh, trying to get my head in the game. <laughs> um, so, okay, the Hurricanes and the Kraken saw each other just a couple weeks ago. And I'm not going to lie. Right? It was like a month ago. It was, it was, like, a, yeah, it was uh, October. I think it was a 5-1 beatdown, if I remember my notes correctly. Yeah, I do remember that it was an ass whooping. I want to um, say it was the fourth game of the season for the Kraken. It was like October 13th or so. If that's yeah, it was, head, it was the great. start of the State Fair road yeah. trip uh, for the Canes. Right. See, again, like I said, I'm getting my head in the game. I'm at the beach right now. Everybody leave me the fuck alone. I'm on vacation. Anyway, the Hurricanes and Kraken have already met once met once this year. This is going to be their last meeting of the season. Um, but I'm not going to lie. When we saw the Kraken for the first time, Matt and I were kind of talking. We were like, man, that team kind of sucks. But now look at where the Kraken are. have come in just a, f- a few weeks, about a month and a half, I guess, is what I should have said. Um, they're looking pretty good now. So. Let's start there. Since the Hurricanes have seen you guys last, what do you think has changed the most that's turned the Kraken actually into a pretty damn good hockey team lately? Oh, man, that's really hard, Uh, especially because, like, recent context, the team is in a bit of a skid. Uh, But that's kind of expected. I mean, it's an 82-game season, so it is what it is. I think every team goes through periods like like that. Um, For the month of November, the Kraken were 10-1-1, which is – insane uh and i and i was i was talking to jeff my co-host and just some other people about this and we think the biggest thing is like the kraken have 10 different guys uh on their team that uh have 10 points or more or 12 guys on their team that have 12 uh 10 points or more which is tied for first in the nhl like they're just getting contributions from all over the place there's a couple of off-season acquisitions i won't get too uh deep into it because i know people like i don't give a shit about a kraken roster but uh like this, this off-season 
Um, I I said when it happened that I thought the Andre Burakovsky grab was was arguably one of the best uh, offseason moves across the entire league. I really, really, really like the Oliver Bjorkstrand move as well. I just thought that was uh, a good play by Ronnie Francis, seeing that need uh, that Columbus had. As soon as they brought in Johnny Hockey, like they had to shed some capital. He's been their leading scorer, um, and they took a, a guy that not only was their leading scorer on the ice, but a guy that everyone loved like in the locker room and in the community as well. So like that, for me, was like a win across the board. For him, he hasn't seen a ton of goals this season, but I've watched every single game. And Oliver Bjorkstrand is constantly putting himself in a good position. He's always making the right play. I think it's just a matter of time before that kind of breaks through. And as far as like the team coming along, it just seems like it's a team chemistry thing. Um, like last season, uh, like the the guys who are how can I word this? Like the guys that are on our third line this year were was our first line last year. I mean, like it's that much of a difference, and it's been it's been very uh very noticeable out on the ice, but the team seems like to really, really get along. Um, I, we were just, I just did an um, interview wrapped up with, uh, with Nick Olchek and he was giving some insight into like how much the team is hanging out um, off the ice. Uh, they're doing dinners together on the road. They're doing like Mario Kart tournaments. Like they're legitimately all friends and hanging out, which is great. And it's showing up. And then uh, recently, not the game against Tampa Bay, but I forgot who we were playing the other night. Oh, Florida. Uh, real dirty hit that took out our uh, defenseman, Justin Schultz. And uh, it was the first time, like, the hit, I mean, he got boarded pretty bad. And uh, as a result of that, like, the play had just happened, and maybe a second later, like, Matt, Matty Beniers uh, just starts throwing fisticuffs, which is insane. I mean, you know, uh, I've never seen him do that. He had his long career, hopefully, in front of him. I mean, the kid's 20 years old, and he's been a phenom. He's also been a big reason why the Kraken are so good, because he's coming along very quickly. But to see him, like, stick up for his teammates like that, that's not his personality or, like, really what his job is supposed to be. But it's stuff like that that kind of shows. And I think that's the reason why the Kraken, overall, are a pretty good team. Right now, though, I don't think they're so good. <laughs> and uh, I'm very pessimistic uh, as far as like my outlook against uh, against uh, Carolina goes. I'm I'm looking forward to watching the game because I get to watch hockey. But I yeah, I'm I'm expecting a loss. I'm a realist. Um, I I want to. There's a couple things that I want to touch on. First of all, just just as an aside about the Justin Schultz hit, and this is just I'm just gonna throw this question out there. You guys don't have to answer, but like. We can answer if you want. Is Ryan Lomberg becoming like one of the sneaky, dirty players in the league? Absolutely. <laughs> I cannot stand Ryan. He's because so, uh, Joey. For for reference, he's the yeah. guy that ran anti Ranta last year. Yeah, and knocked him out for I think five or six games. Yeah. Uh, there was that play was like kind of borderline. Like I'm not sure. There yeah, was... but there are other there yeah, are other times where he he he'll he'll actively try and headhunt. I think he did it. I don't know if the Canes have played the Panthers this year, so it might have been the last time they played. Oh, so if they did, then it was definitely this game because Lomberg actively tried to go up high on somebody. He missed, but like again, it's one of those plays where I'm like, man, you know, he's not that tall of a guy, so when he aims for the head, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe the league hasn't done anything about this guy yet. It's kind of shocking. I'm glad you said so. It's really interesting that you say that because I try to be like as objective as possible, but the reality is it's fucking impossible because when you root for a team like that's kind of where 
um, like your tendencies are going to lie. So it's interesting to say that because the the night before that, the Kraken are playing another game and uh, Jamie Elixiak, and I don't think Elixiak is a dirty player, but Elixiak uh, elbows uh, Alexander Alexiev in the head. Uh, he gets a match penalty, booted from the game. Uh, commissioner rules that he's going to be suspended for three games, which is horrible timing. It's another reason why I think Carolina is going to wax us. Um, but so he gets out and the very next game um, is the Lomberg hit on Justin Schultz. And I'm watching that play and I'm like, you see where the retaliation comes from because they're both skating for the puck. They're going towards the boards and Justin Schultz tries to do like a swim move where he kind of like tries to go around it, but like hooks him on his neck for like a split second, but he's not trying to do anything dirty. Cause if he was, I think he would have taken him down, but you can immediately see that like Lomberg goes into retaliation mode and it boards the living shit out of him. And I'm watching the play and for some reason, like doesn't get the same penalty like Elixiak would get in that instance, like that he got the the night before and like, doesn't get, doesn't get reviewed by the commissioner, doesn't get any suspension. And I'm watching that play. I'm like, that was dirty as shit. You pin the guy's head up against the, up against the boards. I don't know. I'm still newish to hockey, but when I see stuff like that, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand how something like that doesn't get called. Like NHL uh, player safety isn't going to rule on this. Like, help me understand the game. So, Joey, Joey, I'll let you in <laughs> on a secret here. Brandon Please. and I have been hockey fans our whole life. Yes. We don't understand this shit either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. At least I'm not, like, not taking crazy. And that's points. the thing. I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, where the fuck is the, is the call here? Nobody nobody understands NHL player safety because NHL player safety doesn't understand NHL player safety. Okay. There's, there's no consistency league-wide, and there needs to be precedent. You can't just say, well, this player has had a, his- has had a history – or hasn't had a history, so we're not going to give him any suspensions. Because then, what's the what's going to stop the player from doing that again and hurting somebody else? Yeah. Next time, he still doesn't. People have are having time. this conversation with the Athletic releasing, you know, the article about Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens probably ended careers, and not only that, probably shortened the lives of certain players because of the amount of concussions and the severity of the concussions it's that he dealt out. Yeah. Yeah. He he ended. I think it was Shane Willis's career. I was at that game. Yeah, that that was a that was a horrifying hit. I was like seven. <laughs> I know that's yeah. So it, it's just one of those things where the NHL player safety has never taken taken a stand for the players that get hurt. Yeah. That's interesting, and especially in the case with Lomberg. And I'm like trying to put myself in his position. It's almost as if because things are so like you just said, like they're inconsistent across the board. Mm-hmm. If he knows I'm, he if I'm him, it. exactly. Like if I'm him and you demonstrate this behavior consistently, then it has to be pretty egregious for the league to call anything because he's just kind of setting the bar for himself, if that makes sense. Meanwhile, you have a player like Jamie Elixiak, who I don't, again, I don't think he's a dirty player. Um, but when he's out there and he puts the, an elbow into another person's face and he's like six, seven, six, eight, it's pretty obvious you're going to get the call. Um, and, so yeah, it's, it's, that's a really interesting point. And maybe they're setting their own bar. Like maybe if you just conduct yourself like this on the reg, uh, the league isn't going to come down and penalize you when they should be. Because I mean, it took the league years to start handing out adequate punishments to Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. He got handed a ridiculous suspension. How many hits have we seen Tom Wilson throw that have been dirty lately? I can't think of any because the yeah. league finally started punishing him. Yeah. So it's it's gonna take something like that. And I love Tom Wilson, but yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I don't I don't like Tom Wilson. Yeah. I, I I can't stand the guy. 
but As again, fans, like we're, it's not possible for us to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm completely independent from it. I just, I remember like when I started, like when I first started getting really into hockey and I'm like watching Tom Wilson fights and I watched funny enough, Elixir, I watched the, uh, the video of him knocking him out and I was like, Holy <laughs> shit. Like, like this is insane. Like this guy's and, terrifying, but yeah, and, I, and you know, he's a guy you would love to have on your team, but when he's skating against you, you're like, Oh, you motherfucker. Exactly. And the, the precedent for him or the precedent for dirty hits is him now. And yeah. now, and he hasn't done that. So there needs to be a precedent. The other thing I wanted to, uh, to talk about real quick is, you know, we kind of, we kind of mentioned that the Kraken were able to make some smart moves this off season, which it, it's, it's the Ron Francis special. Mm-hmm. Like Joey and I talked about this over the summer, bailing out a team that has cap issues and, and, Oh, Columbus. I, I, I still don't yeah. understand how uh, Yarmo Kekalainen is a GM in this league because he just consistently takes L's every year. And yeah. so do his hockey teams. Uh, finding out who the stupid GMs are is something that Ron Francis is really good at. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's things he's not very good at, and I, I would love to get into that. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll stay positive for now. The Burakovsky signing was smart. And I think this this also goes into the fact that now he's under an owner that's actually willing to spend money and not to just say he's willing to spend money. And then when the time comes to pay these guys, all of a sudden the checkbook's in his other pants. Yeah. Um. Man, there's a lot. That's a lot to unwrap there. That's uh. I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think... I think this summer was a perfect opportunity for Ron Francis, like you said, to kind of play to his strengths. And when you have um, GMs that are in a position to do something that might not be, uh, I don't know, a lot of GMs around the league maybe would not do. I do see that as an L um, on the Columbus side, but it's easy to disguise it as a W when you're bringing in Johnny Gaudreau. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, like that, that fan base and that organization isn't going to be too upset. But with that being said, I do think that coming in and taking a player like uh, of Bjorkstrand's caliber for next to nothing is a, is a pretty wise move on the Kraken's part. And it has put them in a, in a good position. I was skeptical at first, but also still trying to learn as much as I can. It's been like baptism by fire ever since like the Kraken came into the league, just trying to learn as much as I can as quickly as I can about hockey. So when I watched the expansion draft, I went and I did research on like the history of the expansion draft and how the, you know, the Vegas golden Knights were the outlier and blah, blah, blah. I did, I did all that stuff. And even then I was still kind of perplexed about how the, the Kraken were approaching things, but I don't know. Sometimes like the stars just kind of like align in your favor. And this past off season, there was a couple of moves out there that kind of just made sense for Seattle. Um, I think, Drafting uh, Matty Beniers really hit the freaking nail on the head because, I mean, that's your franchise center, you know, 10, 15, whatever years. And um, those things kind of start to take shape. And the next thing you know, a, a team that was one of the worst in the league last year is a very competitive team this year. And honestly, surprising me because when I talked about it on the podcast, doing like a, a season preview a couple months ago, um, like we joke around cause like my co-host is very positive. Like he's the Ted Lasso of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> he's so positive. Like we started doing a thing called like the good vibes parlay of the night because all of his parlays, a part of it is the Kraken win for every single one, every single game. 
And I'm like, this is hilarious. But like, you know what? That's just how he operates. He's a very uh, glass half full. I'm a realist. And we're talking about playoffs. And I'm like, there's no way in shit this team is smelling playoffs. Like to go from like 60 or whatever points in a season to 100 plus, 95 plus points and making the playoffs would be a historical move. And right now they're actually proving me wrong, which is insane. And I'm happy to eat crow. We'll see. It's still a long season. There's a hot, lot of hockey left to play, and they really have to kind of get out of this bad uh, stretch they're in right now. And I don't think Carolina's going to do them any favors tomorrow or whenever when this podcast comes out. <laughs> Today. Yeah, yeah, that works. Today, we, yeah. we do that all the time. We're literally always like, yeah, tomorrow, and it's literally the day of the game. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I We talked a little bit. like I mentioned that we talked about it this summer. Like That Bjorkstrand move was literally – what Francis did with Tavo Teravainen here years ago. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's savvy with stuff like that. And I do think he's going to have more success in Seattle than he had here, just because a, like Matt said, he's got an owner that's actually willing to spend money and B he's got some experience under his belt. Now, like we can't under, understate how important that is. Like learn from his mistakes. He's going to, I mean, he's already got a nice little core built up there. They got a good young core on the way. And actually that leads me kind of into my next point uh, or question. The Kraken did just send Shane Wright to well, he's going to Canada's camp, right? Yeah, Team Canada. Yeah, IHL. Yep. Um, so I, I've seen a couple of different things about kind of how he's been handled. And I think you guys talked about this on the podcast last week as well. But I did just kind of want to get your takes on the Shane Wright situation, him not getting a ton of ice time and now seems to be on the move. Uh, that's uh it's a really interesting dynamic because I get so fucking annoyed by the Seattle Kraken fan base because and I say this out loud all the time. So like no one's going to be like, what the hell, dude? Like, are you, anyways, but um, I, when I, I say that because we have, for the most part, collective, collectively have been watching hockey for what, a year and change. And a large part of the fan base, and it's mostly online and social media is whatever. But, you know, when you're when you're on Twitter all fucking day, it kind of becomes a reality. But like a, a large part of the fan base um was so quick to criticize like the handling of Shane Wright. And I'm looking at everybody having all of these opinions. And it's natural to have opinions, but to be so strong and like in and like in your conviction about something, I want to be like, dude, you've been watching hockey for 15 months. How about we pump the brakes a little bit and like start and like just kind of sit back and just say, and just like it's normal to let like let's normalize saying I don't have enough information to like make an informed decision, like let alone an opinion on this matter. I tried to be, again, as objective as possible. So for me, I was watching it and I was like, should he be getting more ice time? Maybe. Like, I don't really know what's going on. It did get weird because there were a couple instances where, like, for example, his grandparents flew to Seattle to watch him play. And at the last minute, Hack scratched him from the game. And I'm like, dude, his his family's in the stands. Like, what is going on here? And then it started getting weird. Like, you can kind of feel like there was some tension building. Well, then... You know, the athletic comes out with an article and ESPN comes out with an article that, in fact, uh, Ronnie Francis and Dave Haxtell realize that you can have a player play for X amount of games or X amount of minutes or whatever, and then still send them down to like the minor league affiliate and then bring them back like on a loaner. And then once that was discovered, and then they, in fact, like a couple of days after that information came out, Shane Wright gets sent down to Coachella Valley. In five games, he has four goals. He goes off. You can see his confidence building. He's skating a lot faster. He's in the right positions, et cetera, et cetera. And they bring him up to Seattle, plays against Montreal, gets his first goal, scores the first goal of the game for the Kraken. I'm like, and you can see it on the ice. Like you can see the difference between before and after his time in Coachella Valley. And I'm like, 
this is freaking insane. Like the difference is night and day with this kid. And he was gone for like a couple of weeks and now he's going to team Canada. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's going to go through like the first week of January. He's going to be gone for three weeks. It's totally fine. And it's one of those things where like that Canadian team is so stacked and they are expected to win gold in the entire IHF. So it's like he's skating with people who are like at his caliber. There's a ton of pressure for him to win. And I think that it's only going to continue to sharpen his skills. So I'm all for it. At first, it was a little weird, but this is a very roundabout way of saying like, I think they've they've done a good job of showing us that like even though it might have seemed questionable at the beginning, it's starting to really pan out. Like his his confidence, especially after after Coachella, uh, was very obvious. And he even said that himself. Like he he said that in a post game interview where he was like, "Yeah, like I just I feel different. I'm playing more confident. I got used to the speed of the game because he said the speed was really bothering him." Well, problem solved. That got fixed, and you know he'll be back in like two to three weeks. Yeah, the 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 jump from the CHL to the NHL is gigantic. And especially the OHL has been, I don't want to say bad, but the level of competition hasn't been nearly as high as it usually is. And a lot of it's due to the fact that Shane Wright didn't have a year of hockey before his draft year. Um, so he missed out on some development. Would he be better than, you know, he is now if he had that year? Probably. But, you know, that, that, that goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it. And I think the problem you mentioned, like the fan base and getting mad at the fan base. And that hit, that hit me right here. Cause (laughs) you're a guy for the hurricanes and your DMS (laughs) and prospects development is, is always something that, that gets me going. And the national media is freaking out about it. And I think the national media affected a lot of what Seattle fans were feeling like. So they're like, these guys clearly know what they're talking about. And I'm like, they, they, they kind of don't when it comes to prospects. Yeah. Like prospect development takes time. And the, the whole debate going into the draft and what people settled on was Uri Slavkovsky is more ready for the NHL than Shane Wright is. Mm-hmm. That has proven to be true so far. And so, you know, it's not that right's bad. And you look at it this way, you now have a hell of a one-two punch down the middle. Yes. For the foreseeable future, uh, unless things go horribly wrong for either of them, which I Knocking seriously doubt. I, that, yeah. <laughs> I seriously <laughs> doubt that's going to happen. Like, yeah. it, it's important to be patient, especially with prospects and especially with prospects coming from the CHL right now, because... Other than the WHL, really, a lot of the leagues, especially the Q, have been just down in the dumps for a while in terms of competition. So it's going to take a little longer for these guys to get up to a competitive level of play. I think the the key word that you just mentioned there was patience, and and I agree. I think uh, it's really easy to get caught up in like the short term and what's happening now versus kind of just zooming out and being like, let's look at the at the picture from like a macro standpoint and let's see what like the long-term goal here is. Like you said, like everything goes right. Everything goes, goes according to plan. You have two centers. who could be the key zones of your franchise uh, and two, two way centers, which is fantastic. If there's one person that's going to develop them, it's one of the best two way centers in the history of the NHL and Ronnie Francis. It's like, I would rather defer to him 
than some random article that comes out or whatever is going on. And again, like we've already started to see results. It really was such a difference between his play uh, and the limited time on ice that he got uh, prior to going to Coachella and then coming back. So I'm really excited to see what he does for team Canada. And then also uh, what happens when he, when he comes back from that stint and now it's like, you know, early to mid January. I actually thought, well, I don't know. I thought I'd seen that he was actually going down to the minors after that, but I, that was probably just. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm still such a noob. I don't. I don't know. Um, what like you know the rules are regarding that? Like, are they allowed to send him back to Coachella like on a loaner? If so, for how long would that be? Et cetera, et cetera. So I'm. I haven't seen anything about that, but I'll definitely be tracking it. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to see him get some you know, time on ice and it's fun to see him skating around uh, for the Kraken too. And especially after the, the loss to Montreal, that was a weird one, but uh, it was, it was cool afterwards to like see him not only admit that he needed to work on some things and, and, but also to see him like showing his personality a little bit because he definitely has a personality to him. I mean, it showed up at the draft and um, <laughs> he's been kind of an outspoken dude. And so it was cool to, to, to get a, a glimpse of that for like a brief second. And also it seemed like he was, on board with the plan that they had set out for him as well. And that's, I think was really the mo- what's most important. All right. So we've already talked a little bit about some of the Canes connections. Um, obviously Ron Francis being the GM is the big one. Uh, and then a couple of hurricanes. What about, what about John Forsland? Oh, John Forsland too. You know, I wasn't even going to bring him up. Until that. Dude. That's a bigger loss than Ronnie Francis. No offense to Ron. It a hundred percent is like, honestly, that's and, and look, Mike Maniscalco, the new Hurricanes announcer, does our intro. We absolutely love him. Friend of the podcast. But um, not having Forsland around anymore, like, absolutely sucks. Like, I mean, he was such a big part of my childhood, for one. But I do love it that you guys get him now as your play-by-play man because, I honestly, he's the best in the business, like, hands down. We've been so spoiled. It's crazy. Like, I remember last season just watching every game and just listening to him make calls and just be like, man, this guy – is so good. And then watching him do it for NBC during the playoffs. And I'm like, this guy's so good that he's doing all the national stuff too. It's incredible. And then we had a chance to, uh, we interviewed uh, Piper Shaw last season. And she was just saying like that. He's such a pro that even when like the games are over that, uh, that John Forslund will go home and rewatch the games and listen to his own call while taking notes. Like this man is so dedicated to his craft and it shows because I really do feel like he's the best. He's the best in the whole NHL. And right when I thought things couldn't get any better, because I, I was liking the the combination of him and JT Brown. And then they somehow managed to like finagle uh, Eddie Olachek and Nick Olachek away from Chicago uh, to join uh, to join Forslund in the booth. And the combination of Eddie O and, and Forslund has been a lot of fun this year. I mean, they they have a, a ton of personality. They play off each other really well. Um, like they're they're such professionals, but they also have like the perfect combination of like goofy and fucking with each other a little bit. Like it's it's great. So been very very fortunate to to watch the games, especially like when a game sucks. Like we lose to Tampa Bay the other night, six to two. But I still get to hear Forsland make make you know make the calls, and it's just it's fantastic. There's literally nobody better you could like ask for as like an expansion team introducing a new market into hockey and you get John freaking Forslund on the call. Oh yeah. It's yeah, we're we, incredibly spoiled, but we're all very well aware of that. Everyone's like, we might have the best broadcast, but like we're very, very, very thankful for the broadcasting team. We miss John Forslund and you know, 
it's it's hard because he he like you said he is the best in the business there's nobody like it even nationally these the national broadcasters especially now that we're on espn pale in comparison jeez um i think i'd rather listen to chalk like being like fingernails on a chalkboard rather than listening to espn's broadcast you, want, you don't want to do a Leah Hextel corner? I'm just kidding. We don't need to do that. No, it's a, a, I. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I can't fucking stand John Bucciagross. Interesting. Okay, he I, I he think he's a lot creep. of people. He I think fought, he's. A I find creep. him kind of awkward on hockey calls. Like he, he tries. He tries to be like he tries to be Forsland almost. Like I no, feel he like tries to be like he's in his twenties and make all these like <laughs> sayings. Too. But he just sounds like your parent trying to be hip, and it just <laughs> it goes over like a fucking fart in church. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's my national broadcast opinion of the week. I don't. Oh usually, no, you're totally fine. I'm in, I'm, I'm in usually the, I'm different towards him. I uh, I have in my bio here. I'm the voice of reason on this podcast. <laughs> you have like a weekly rant now. In the past two weeks, <laughs> I've I've had I've had to have a rant because our fan base is just pissing me off. He was just ranting about the fans just last week, so I knew yeah. all are coming. The team's coming into their own. What's going on you, with the fan base? Why are people so? Upset? So here's the thing, Joey. <laughs> this fan base cannot possibly be happy about anything. Yeah, unless you're just winning all the time, which you pretty much are right Even now. Even when they are, so if this fan base went 82 and 0 and didn't allow a single goal, people, Brandon, would still find <laughs> ways to complain yeah. about nothing. And Slavin that's where, that's where we're at. This 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 fan base just cannot be happy, especially when it comes to goaltending. I was gonna say, is there? I'm genuinely curious if there's one thing in particular that you've noticed is a theme for the fan base to fight over for the Seattle Kraken. It's Grubauer, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, so so yeah, everyone's everyone's either like a Grubauer defender or everyone's like he's the worst in the fucking league. This guy's a waste of money. And then I just watch them fight. Like there's no. There's no middle ground. Like, there's no room for rationality. Like, it's, you can watch him have a horrible game, the de- and the defenders are like, our defense, man, they're really leaving him out to dry. And everyone else is like, you know, on the other side of the coin, they're just like, he's one of the worst goalies in the league. The Kraken shouldn't have lost this game. It's all his fault. Da, 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 da. And I'm, I, then I just, I just sit back and watch it happen. I think it's very entertaining. Um, <laughs> but is that something that, like, what is, like, what's the one specific theme that uh, Carolina has going on that everyone argues over? goalies because because um we've been living the goalie debate for years because for years it was cam ward where either people are like cam ward can do no wrong and it's always the defense's fault and for what it's worth both sides have some truth to them exactly how the group our debate is yeah yeah like so like the canes defense was dog shit when cam ward was bad Mm -hmm. but cam ward was also bad so then we get Scott Darling. Scott Darling sucked at hockey. Yeah. And so now now all the fans have like PTSD. All the old fans have PTSD. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop to for us to go back to being miserable again. Mm-hmm. And the new fans it's kind of like the same with the Kraken where the there's a lot of Hurricanes fans and this is this is a good thing. There's a lot of Hurricanes fans that just started watching hockey recently. When the team got good again. And that's fine. Bandwagon fan, look at Chicago. That bandwagon fans sh- saved Chicago's ass. Yeah, it's true. 
here's the thing though. Not everybody should have a take online. <laughs> and especially about something they don't know shit about. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. be honest. Like we got a lot of people who Anderson will have one bad game and everybody will be like, Oh my god, like what's wrong with Anderson? Should we look for a replacement now? Like, dude, it's Freddie. We're fine. Everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's essentially what it boils down to. Yeah, is me yeah. just sitting there like, oh my god, just be happy. Like I told our fan base to touch grass last week. Yeah. He's and, played like five games this year, and people are like irrationally down on him. And like, same with Ronto. Ronto's played like five games where he's been fully healthy this year. Yeah. yeah. And and so goaltending's the biggest thing that people disagree on. Um for a while it was also Jordan Stahl. Because there was a large portion of this fan base that believed points equals good. As you probably know, points does not always equal good. There are yeah. other ways to measure good. Yeah. Uh, a million percent. It's funny you mentioned that really quick story. Again, we were talking to Nick Olachek like an hour or so ago. And uh, that was his biggest thing that he was praising about Matty Beniers. He was like, you know, he can easily cheat the game. And he goes, I think that he could have seven to 10 more points on the season right now than he currently has. But the reason why he doesn't is because he tries and often succeeds in making the right play uh, for the betterment of the team. And that's where I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you can you can definitely cheat the game and kind of get those points, even if it doesn't help out the team. So, no, it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, like Joey's saying, he's been on podcasts and interviews and stuff for a while now so let's talk about this upcoming game just a little bit and then we're gonna go ahead and get out of here um so as i, I was actually starting the segment i was actually kind of getting towards there aren't as many former hurricanes that were once on the kraken morgan geeky is a guy i kind of wanted to bring up a little bit though because for a while he was kind of like a folk hero here almost like people really really love geeky especially when he first came into the nhl he had a two-goal game against the pittsburgh penguins and everybody was like kids the next big thing which he kind of fell off a little bit after that but it does seem like he's off to a pretty damn good start this season he does have four goals and 10 points in 22 games and as matt just told you points equals good so Mm -hmm. how's our former boy morgan geeky been for you guys this year he's been great like i like i mentioned we have 12 guys on the team that have 10 points or more He's one of them. Like contributions from um, from every line has been really, really big. And I think it's what's kind of kept the Kraken afloat, especially because like like our PK is horrendous, and it's just like you know the record overall is really good. But you start playing against the elite teams like a Tampa Bay, and they're going to expose the shit out of you, and they did. Um, Geeky's been great. Geek Squad love him. It was actually really interesting because I remember uh, watching him like an exhibition game. And uh, myself and Jeff, my co-host, also fell in love with him because he had a couple of plays where I'm just like, who is this guy? And uh, like kind of lashed ourselves onto him for whatever reason, uh, just gravitated towards Geeky. Um, and he's he's be- also become like a fan favorite. He's been really solid. He's earned he's earned his spot on the roster. And he's in, uh, I don't know, he's just a guy that like you can't help uh but root for and it's been great and i also love his willingness to defend his teammates too if there's a scrum geeky's always in the middle of it i mean if there's something going on um a player's getting picked on uh geeky's one of the first guys to kind of always uh jump in there so it's been great man like he's been incredibly productive we're taking care of geek squad uh he's been he's been a great addition to the crack and so we're we're lucky to have him 
You guys didn't have to take care of Hayden Flurry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, not the biggest fan. So, you know, kind of interesting point that you bring up about the depth scoring of the Kraken's really kind of been their strength. Like, they do have some star power at the top with guys like Matty Beneers and Andre Burakovsky scoring at really high levels this year. Um, the Hurricanes have kind of been the opposite until lately. Like, they have been extremely top-heavy with guys like Andre Sveshnikov, Sebastian Ajo, Martin Natchez really carrying the water. Um, but they are starting to show some signs of some guys further down the lineup kind of uh, starting to pick it up this year. So I think that's definitely one storyline that's going to be worth watching tomorrow just because Kraken, very much a by-committee approach to Hurricanes at times have gotten top-heavy. So that could be one thing that maybe could tilt the scales a little bit if we're operating under the assumption that the Hurricanes are probably favorites in this one. <laughs> I would say they are the favorites. That is a very accurate statement. Um, if we if the Kraken had Elixiac back, I would if, I would feel a lot better if the big rig was out on the ice. Um, aside from like Adam Larson, he's our um, he he's the guy that we really need out there playing defense for us. And um, and Justin Schultz has oddly enough had like a quiet, really good season for the Kraken. He was actually dressed and was going to play last game, but because it's the NHL and just because it's hockey in general, he was. Like the puck's about to drop, and all of a sudden, like he's not playing at all, and he's just sitting on the bench, like, what's going on? And then Haxel afterwards says, like, oh, I was informed like right before the game started that he actually can't play. So I don't even know if Schultz is going to be able uh to play for this game. My guts kind of tell me that he will be. I still don't think it's going to be enough. We uh we had to call up uh Gustav Olofsson from uh the from Coachella Valley to kind of step in place because we're so thin at D-man right now and he's he was decent um with uh with Coachella he's actually averaging like a little over two shots on goal uh for for them in 15 games and he had four or five assists i can't remember but he was leading the team in shots on goal for a defenseman he's pretty solid but uh he's not Schultz and he's not the big rig so i think our defense is going to be a little thin but we'll see what happens i mean i was really surprised like we were on a we're on a three game skid we lost a really weird game uh, at at the Caps, and it was just one of those things. Where I'm like, okay, we've lost three in a row. How's this team going to rebound? And then we went into Florida's barn and beat the shit out of them. I was like, okay, I guess we're we're good again. And then right after that, get get smoked by Tampa Bay. So honestly, like anything can happen in this game, and I would not be surprised. But if I'm a if I'm a betting man, which sometimes I am, honestly, like I. I try not to bet on, on or against my own teams, but like if a gun was held to my head, I'm I'm taking Carolina in this one. I just think the the Kraken are right now like we're really thin. Uh, Big Rig is still out because because of uh, the three game suspension, and it's just one of those things where I think we're going to need all of our guys. Now, who knows how the team is going to respond? Uh, Grubauer got pulled last game after he gave up four goals on twenty shots. That was a weird thing because the defense also was playing really poorly. I mean, we were just getting schooled. Uh, from puck drop to finish. It was really, really bad. And then, of course, Martin Jones gets put in net and gets scored on twice almost immediately. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Grubauer isn't playing the best, but it really, like, this game is not indicative of him entirely, but it was a really weird message because it's like, I, the rumor is that, like, Haxel does not trust or like him at all. It doesn't help that he's, like, you know, top 10 goalie in the league as far as how much he's getting paid. That's an issue. So I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how the Kraken are going to respond. Uh, playing in uh, Carolina's barn is not easy. Uh, it makes me fucking nervous. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Any, again, anything can happen, but I think the, the Kraken are going to take a loss, but I'm, I'm bracing myself for anything at this point. Well, you've, you've got to face the Great Wall of Penza. Yoder <laughs> Kuchi Kochekov. Uh, in this game, <laughs> currently has shutouts in back-to-back games. 
Oh, awesome. Great. (laughs) And what's, what's crazy is the, his, the, the first of the two shutouts was against the Islanders in a game that the hurricanes just suffocated, mopped the floor with the Islanders. They gave up, they allowed 16 shots and maybe three of them were actually quality chances. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Last game though, was just good. Last night's game was just a one nothing great Jeez. performance in yeah. net because the Canes could not score to save their lives in that game. Yeah, but continuing to build confidence while still beating a team one nothing, which is yes. huge. Meanwhile, the Kraken are like, we got to figure it out because it's like yeah. a, it's a next man up. We're kind of limping home, kind of a scenario. A young goalie with confidence can take teams pretty far. Yes. Last year with Dallas. Yeah. Hell, last year with Shesterkin. Shesterkin, yeah. yeah. Got to see him. Uh, I, um, I was in New York, and I went to the Garden. I got to see him play live, and that was unbelievable. Yeah. He, he, he's quite good. The rest of the team. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but I uh, think yeah. that's probably the biggest difference between these two teams right now is just, like, there are some, like, similarities kind of when you look at the two rosters outside of the defense because the Hurricanes, especially – where they are in their timeline. They're just very, very structurally sound defensively and have some really good D-men back there. And like you said, you guys are without Alexiak too. So that's one of the things we noticed in that last cracking Hurricanes game is that the defensive coverage was not the best. And um, with the Hurricanes coming off a six-game road trip, finally back in their own barn for the first time, 5-0-1 on that road trip, I think they got a lot of momentum right now. So odds are going to be a pretty tough ass for the Kraken. <laughs> Yeah, especially with Big Rig and, and if Schultz is out as well, that's a wrap because we're playing. We're going to be dressing two dudes that should not be even touching the ice. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Like I said, anything can happen. But uh, yeah, you, you you're just on a like you said a six game road road trip, and now you're home. We're the opposite. We're on like the last game of our road swing and just trying to trying to make it onto the plane. For the love of God. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I think I do think it's going to be. Um, I do think it's going to be a good game. I hope it's a good game. Uh, we tend to score a lot of points. Like when we had the seven game uh, win streak, like a week ago that, that just got snapped uh, the Kraken were averaging almost five goals a game. It was nuts. And uh, this team has had a lot of offensive power throughout the season so far. So it'll be really interesting to see, like he said, a goalie that's coming off of two wins. Uh, the last one being a shutout uh, against the team that can put up a lot of points. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like, the last thought. is like, the Kraken do have the ability to kind of pop off, so that can be kind of – it could be a pretty fun game. I, I think it will be a fun game, just two teams that are, have a lot of speed and a lot of skill up front. It's also worth mentioning that Sebastian Ajo might not play tomorrow again. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What's going on there? He's, He's been out the last two games, lower body. Yeah, Gosh. it's okay. like a week probably, but, like – take another nine off just to make sure he has 100%. Yeah. <laughs> We're well, getting Jesper Faust out. You know, Jesper <laughs> Faust is an NHL hockey player, but uh Faust and Ahu were both back today, though. As was oh. Catch in a non-contact jersey, which we'll talk about that in a minute after we let Joey go. But all right. All right. Joey, my man, thank you so much for coming on and spending a little bit of time with us. Ended up being like an hour, which I didn't mean to make that oh, wow. happen. Sorry for that. Um, but no, we really appreciate it. If you guys have not checked them out yet, they are the Kraken Pod. I'm the producer on that podcast, although you do not get to hear my sweet voice on it. It's still my baby, all the same. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, seriously, man, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and we will talk very soon. All right, guys, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. All right, guys, before we move on, 
Dragon the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a minute and get a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. Hockey fans, don't miss your chance to light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. All right, yes. So, seriously, huge shouts again to Joey for coming on. Um, Once again, I forgot how to talk in an intro and we had a guest on. At this point, I'm just embarrassing myself. I'm about to start uh, letting Matt do it when we bring people on. Anyway... I don't really want to stay on that much longer either anyway, but we do want to talk about a couple of things before we get out of here. First of all, Max Pacioretty, I, I did allude to this at the end of the talk with Joey, but Max Pacioretty's back on the ice, man, um, in a yellow non-contact jersey. I, I shouldn't say back on the ice. He's back at practice. He's been on the ice for a while now. We've seen him on the ice. Actually getting out with the group, that's really big, man. Like, He's not going to play, you know, the next couple of games or anything like that. But I think we can probably start at least counting it down like weeks at this point if he's. At, uh, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say it's probably like within like the three-ish week time. I'm going to set it at like two, three, three weeks, weeks, maybe. I think that's fair. Like, obviously, you want you want him in the lineup today, right? But the thing is, you know, with with that injury, that's not something you want to rush. Way ahead of schedule already. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we're because because originally the timeline was he could be back by the all-star break, which is in February. End of February. Yeah. It is currently, as we're recording this, December 14th. So he's he's a solid two, almost two and a half months ahead of schedule. Um and so realistically, you're looking at him probably coming back after New Year's. That's that's my like absolute dream scenario is you get him back after New Year. But still, it all depends on how he's feeling. It depends on how Rod's feeling about the whole thing. It's exciting, but again, like Kane's fans are gonna be asking. I, I I'm praying for Walt Ruff, because I know his mentions are just gonna be is Patch ready in tonight? Is Patch ready in tonight until it happens? Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> we love you, Walt, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, man, and then, you know, with the Hurricanes already, we t- we haven't really talked that much about the road trip outside of what we mentioned while we were talking with Joey, but the Hurricanes are rounded into form big time. Like, let's not overlook how tough of a road, like going 5-0-1 on a road trip with that much travel, that's the kind of thing that can kick a season into gear, 100%. And then now you get a nice three game homestand now, right? You actually get to play at home for a little while, which is nice, which the hurricanes, haven't they played a majority of their game? It's not just this road trip. Haven't they played a pretty big chunk of games on the road? 19 of their first 29 games are on the road. That's what I thought. Like that's a pretty huge ratio. And I mean, let's be logical here. What does that mean? Mostly home games from here on out, like a pretty big majority of them. Right. 34 of our last 50 some odd games are home games. All right, so there you go. Um, 
so you look at it from that standpoint, that sets the Hurricanes up to go on a little bit of a run here or to keep this run going, I guess I should say. Add in the fact that you're about to add a power forward of the caliber of Max freaking Pacioretty and, and doing it with a plenty of time before the playoffs come around. So he's going to have a lot of time to hopefully get his legs under him and get 100%. I'm very positive. Or I'm very optimistic on where this team's headed right now. Yeah, the team's the team's trending really well. They're finally getting depth scoring. Paul Stasny had his best game as a Carolina Hurricane against the Islanders. He's been playing well. And and that's even like without just the goal. He played really well that game. Um Jesperi Kokiniemi scored in that game and defensively was a monster along the boards. Um Jarvis Jarvis, beautiful, just a beautiful chef's kiss assist um, on Brady Shea's, actually the only goal, which was a power play goal. The power play hasn't really been scoring lately. Uh, It's been a couple games, I think, and then the power play gets a big goal against Detroit. Wasn't that like their only power play of the game, too? They might have one more. The Canes haven't been getting a ton of power plays. I know they they got a couple against the Islanders, but weren't successful. Um. But the point is, the, the team's heating up. Brady Shea's been really good lately. Um, as expected, Svech and Natchez have kind of dropped a little bit in their production. But what's so good about this team is that there are other players on this team that can continue up. Like um, Jordan Stahl had a goal against the Islanders, which was a huge goal. Gave the Canes a ton of momentum. Um his line's been really good. I know Jesper Fast has been out for I think he was just out for these past two games, but um you know, getting Fast back for the cracking game will be big because that line has been cooking lately. Um the fourth line with Jack Drury hasn't maybe produced as much as we'd like, but it's been really good as well at just wearing down the opposition. And uh yeah, this team's turning turning a corner really nicely heading into a month of December where now they've got a lot of home games. Yeah. I, I, I really don't have much else to say. It's been it's it's been enjoyable watching Kane's hockey lately. Other than the Anaheim game, really since go, going back to the Calgary game, the Kings have been playing really well. That started the, you know, hot stretch of play that the team has had and they haven't really looked back. Yeah, and they got their goalie of the future and the present. Yeah, Kochekov is every game is making it harder for the Hurricanes, I think, which is it's going to be interesting seeing how this situation plays out because you don't want to trade one of your three goalies, but you don't really want to send Piotr down either because he's played very well. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't envy Rod Brindamore and Don Waddell for having to make that decision right now. Right. It's going to be a tricky decision to make. And this is something we talked about last week, but they, you know, you mentioned that Waddell was still saying that the plan was, you know, as of at least a week and a half ago or so, the plan was still to send Kochekov down when Anderson got healthy. But every game that goes by, I believe it's hard. It's hard yeah. to justify sending him down right now. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't see how you can send down a kid that's come up and done nothing, but kind of dominate honestly like 15 career regular season games and three shutouts is a pretty insane ratio (laughs) like yeah and that's like an amount of quality starts other than those shutouts is high too 
Right. And that's like a pace. Like if he started, you know, let's say he got a starter workload, that's a pace of getting 12 shutouts in a season, which like, I'm sure that's, it's a small sample size kind of staff. That's just kind of fun to throw out there. That's not probably what would actually happen, but still like it, it just states how good he's been as a 23 year old rookie dude. Like he has been in North America less than a year. Like most he goalies, does not speak age, English, right? He doesn't speak English. Most goalies, his age, you know, and, and I'm sure he's going to go into a rut at some point. Like, I'm sure not every single star is going to be great from here on out. Like, he's probably going to hit a little bit of a snag. But, like, most goalies struggle more than this when they first get to the league. Yeah. He's just and come in and just stepped up to the task. And I think that speaks to the kind of moxie he has, you know, that swagger. And Brandon, it's simple. To make him such a good goalie. It's simple. Pyotr Kochekov just has that dog in him. <laughs> Coachette dog. Yeah. Coach I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. This is him. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Been a longer episode. Huge shout outs to Joey again for coming on the podcast, talking some canes and cracking hockey. You can find them at the Kraken Pod. They are also a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right. And honestly, folks, it's it's getting to be a fun time of the year. The canes are coming up, um, coming back home. They're going to be home for quite a few more games this uh, this month. The World Juniors start on the twenty sixth. Um, We'll get more into that probably next week because I think next week USA should have their roster announced. So we'll know if Jackson Blake has made the roster. He survived the first round of cuts today. But as of right now, we've got just three other prospects in the World Juniors this year. Nikita Kwap and then the two big ones, Philly Koivinen and Alexi Himasalmi. Scott Morris, 20. Sad noises. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather see him staying in college. Really? I don't know if you saw the chart that I post or that I retweeted today, but his his twenty first percentile in defense and eighth percentile in penalties. Well, that's not really what you wanted to hear, but all right. But he's like eighty first in offense, I think, and like sixty something in transition. So it's one of those things where we kind of know the issues with Morrow are always his defense. So, but anyways, folks, we'll get more into that uh, next week. Like I said. Next week, we'll also maybe have, like, something that we'd give the Hurricanes for Christmas. And then... We're going to do some holiday-themed stuff. Yeah. But for now, folks, our gift to you is this episode. We appreciate you very much. And as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>